Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church of Imperial Valley. We would love to help you plan your visit, so we encourage you to visit our website at www.cccciv.org for service times and our events calendar. Or get the app. You'll find the Christ Community Church IV mobile app in your app store for Apple or Android devices. Bear in mind, right, there's a contrast here. How can your lips bring forth blessings and cursings? That's not possible. James says it shouldn't be that way. Look at this now. Proverbs chapter 12. Pick it up in verse 13. It says, An evil man is ensnared by the transgression of his lips, but the righteous escapes from trouble. That the evil person is going to be trapped by what he says. His own words will trap him, but a righteous person escapes from trouble by tethering his lips, by guarding his lips, right? Look at this, verse 14. From the fruit of his mouth, a man is satisfied with good and the work of a man's hand comes back to him. Verse 15, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. The vexation of a fool is known at once, but the prudent ignores an insult. Whoever speaks the truth gives honest evidence, but a false witness utters deceit. Listen here very carefully, verse 18. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. My brothers, how can out of the same mouth come both blessings and cursings? There is one rash man whose rash words are like sword thrusts that injure, that harm, but there is another man whose words bring healing and comfort. Who do you want to be? How do you want your words to be used? How do you want your lips to be used? I know how I want my lips to be used. Am I perfect? Absolutely not. But I want my words to bring healing and not harm. Those words that you speak within that relationship, within that trust of your marriage relationship, it's like a sword that is thrust. You can't pull that back. You can't unhear that word. You can't unfeel that hurt. Once the word leaves your tongue, your lips, you cannot pull it back. So if you're not confident that that word is going to bring healing, you need to hold your lips. Anyone's mother ever tell them, if you don't have anything nice to say, just don't say it at all? Right? There's a lot of truth to that, right? Are your words being used as sword thrusts or are your words being used to heal? Harm or heal? Look at this contrast. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 29 and 30. This is what Paul says. He says, let no corrupting talk Come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for the building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Don't let a corrupt word proceed from your mouth. That word corrupt in the Greek, it means decayed. It means rotten. It means harmful. Don't let rotten words come out of your mouth, words that are meant to bring harm or to hurt. Don't let that happen. That shouldn't be fitting amongst you as believers. That shouldn't be something that you allow to have happen. You shouldn't use your words to bring forth harm. Let no corrupt word come from your mouth. And then again, there's another contrast. Rather, make sure that your words are used for good, for building one another up, for strengthening one another for fortifying one another, for building one another up. So again, are my words blessings or cursings? Or are my words being used for harm or for healing? Are my words being used to destroy or to build up and to strengthen and to encourage? I wonder if you took a step back and you really looked in the mirror 
as it relates to that relationship that you have on your mind right now, how have you been using your words? I don't want you to think about your spouse and how they've been using their words or the person opposite that relationship that you're thinking about right now. I want you to think about how have your words been being used in that person's life. You have no control over the other person. You understand that, right? But you do have control over yourself. Now, here's what the scripture says in Hebrews chapter 3. It says that we should exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. That word exhort is parakaleo in the Greek. It's the same root word that we get our word Holy Spirit from. A paraclete, someone who comes alongside of you, someone who comes alongside to encourage and to uplift and to say, you know what, it's going to be all right. We're going to make it through this. You can handle this. You can do this. An encourager. The scripture says that we should be encouragers for one another in our relationships. So much so, the reason for this is so that our hearts wouldn't become hardened, that you almost are like participating in the role of the Holy Spirit in people's lives to encourage and uplift them. And I guarantee you there are some of you here this morning who when you think about your relationship back home, you know that you are not being a source of encouragement to someone. You're not. Rather, you're discouraging that person and you're constantly tearing them down and belittling them. And that is sin in the eyes of God. Let no corrupt word come out of my mouth except for what's going to build the person that is laying next to me up. I want to be like a source of strength for this person. I want to be someone that comes alongside of and puts my arm around them and says, you got this. You can do this. We can take that hill together to be that encourager. Will you be that encourager for someone? See, here's the thing. Sometimes we get so lost in our own emotions that we're blinded. We're blinded and we don't realize the words that are coming out of our mouths. But this is another saying you probably heard your mom say back way in the day, that you can catch more flies with honey than with vinegar. Have you heard that before? And that's also true. Listen to this. This is in Proverbs chapter 15. He says this, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. In the moment, in the heat of the moment, in that moment of conflict, when you're in a frustrating moment, when you're at odds with the, the person that you love, you have a choice. Am I going to blurt out whatever I'm thinking or am I going to wait and I'm going to make sure that I give a soft answer which will turn away wrath? You, you know this. You who have ever been in an argument within your home, you know that if you speak whatever's on your mind, the tension is only going to escalate. It's going to get hotter and hotter in that room and your face is going to get more red right? And it's just going to lead to frustration. But this scripture says, a soft answer turns away wrath. And your loved one comes home at the end of the day, and they're frustrated with something that you did, and they have no problem letting you know it. And the first thing you want to do is you want to say, yeah, well, you did this. Be honest. There's no good that is going to come from that statement. But your loved one comes in, and they're frustrated, and they let you know it, and you speak love into their life, and truth into their life, and you build them up. Where does that argument go from there? That soft answer turns away wrath. And if you want to resolve that conflict, you've got to learn to sometimes press your lips. Look at this is what it says in Proverbs chapter 17. Whoever restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding, even a fool. 
When he keeps silent, is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he's deemed intelligent. Right? Just keep your mouth shut. Some of you men have really learned how to do this really well in your relationships. Right? Some of you have not. Right? We all are in this together. Okay? We, we all need to work on these things. But even a fool is considered wise when he just doesn't speak his mind all the time. Right? Look at this. This is in Colossians chapter 4. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. Ooh, that's a convicting one, isn't it? Can you say that your words are always gracious? The word grace at its root is charis, which is a gift. Let your words constantly be a gift for that person that you love. Whoa, it's like a dagger in my heart, right? Are your words gracious? Are your words always gracious, a gift seasoned with salt? Why is it that words are so difficult? Why is it that words hurt so much? And, you know, I've been there like you guys, and I know you guys have been there, and you say something, and you know you shouldn't have said it, and you try to say, well, I didn't mean that. I didn't mean it. But somewhere at your core, you meant it. You're sorry you said it, but you meant it. Why do I know this? Look at what it says in Matthew chapter 12. Jesus says this, either make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree bad and its fruit bad for the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Why do we take such offense to words? You can say sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never harm them. All you want, right? But when someone says something, the reason why those words sting is because there's a thought and emotion behind that that is being expressed. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You might say you didn't mean it, but the reason why it crossed your lips is because that was in your heart. There's a problem in your heart. If you're not speaking graciously to the people that you love, if you're constantly backbiting or if you're constantly frustrated and taking your frustration out on the people that you love with your words, there's something wrong in your heart, not their heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth is going to speak. Right? Look at Jesus goes on here. Verse 35, he says, The good person out of the good treasure brings forth good. The evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you'll be justified. And by your words, you'll be condemned. That's scary, isn't it? I'm so thankful that there is a remedy. If your words are not gracious this morning, if your words are not like gifts, if your words cause more harm than they do bring healing, if your words do more tearing down than they do building up, if your words are more curses than they are blessings, there's a remedy for this. And the only way that you can change your lips is if you change your thoughts. And the only way you can change your thoughts is if you change what's in your heart. When there's silence around you, when there's peace and quiet and silence all around you, what is your mind consumed with in that moment? Because for some of you, your mind is so consumed with frustration, what's happening at work or in the news cycles and the vaccine this and the vaccine that and you know, COVID this and COVID that and economy this and economy that and Middle East this and Middle East that. And you're putting that in yourself all day long. And it's no wonder that you're always walking around frustrated and you're taking out that frustration on the people around you. The only way you will change the way you communicate with the people that you love is when you change what you're taking into your heart. 
Listen to this. This is what it says in Colossians chapter 3. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. The word dwell means to make its home in. And here's the thing. You know what is really dwelling in your mind and in your heart? When there is peace and quiet. At the end of the day, when you put your head on the pillow and you're having trouble falling asleep because of that thing you're thinking about, that's what you've allowed to make home in your heart or in your head. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let God's word dwell in you richly. Not Fox News this, not CNN that, not what's happening in the state of California this or that. God's word, when God's word is in my heart, my speech will change. Look at, it says here, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Have its home in your heart teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Your speech will change, encouraging and admonishing and teaching and singing to one another hymns and spiritual songs and having a thankful heart. That's what happens when you let God's word take home in your heart. But if you let the world take home in your heart, It's going to come across. It's going to be evident in your lips. Super easy to tell. Super easy to tell. So if you want to change the way you speak to the person that you love, you need to change the way you think. You change the way you think by changing what makes its home in your heart. Your third point, if you're taking notes with me, is that you need to protect that heart. You have to protect that heart. In the confines of marriage, let me read this to you. You don't have to turn there. Just stay where you're at for now. But in the confines of marriage, Jesus was approached by the religious leaders. And they were trying to trap him. They were really trying to trap him. Look, I'll just read it to you. This is in Mark chapter 10. You can read it later. Verse 2, it says, The Pharisees came in order to test Jesus. And they said, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? What do you say about divorce, Jesus? Right? What's your take on divorce? Jesus replies, well, what did Moses command you? And they said, well, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and to send her away. The scribes and Pharisees, they'd made this so trivial a thing that a woman could be divorced for basically any reason. And the woman had no recourse to divorce the man, but the man could divorce the wife. This is what it was like in these days, right? And so they said, well, Moses says you can write a certificate of divorce, right? Look at what Jesus replies. Verse 5, Jesus says this, Because of your hardness of heart, he wrote you this commandment. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall hold fast to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. So they they are no longer two flesh, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. He says the only reason why that was a possibility at all is because you allowed your heart to become hard. You became calloused and hardened in your heart. Now, I want to give this warning to you this morning as we talk about protecting that sensitivity of your heart. There's a statistic that was going around from Barna Research study that was done in the mid-2000s. And the statistic showed that divorce was as prevalent in the church as it was in the world. Have you heard that said before? Divorce is as prevalent in the church as it is in the world. Well, Christianity Today did a follow-up study in the mid-2010s, and they dug a little bit deeper. And so they asked people what their confession of faith was, 
right? And then they did this. They asked, okay, and now are you a practicing believer? Do you actually attend church? Do you actually go to church on a normal basis? Are you involved in a church fellowship where you're in prayer, where you're in the word, right? And here's what the study found when they followed that 50-50 up, when they said, yeah, it's just like the world. They found this, that amongst professing Christians, those who just confessed to know Christ, but they didn't really practice their faith, they weren't practicing Christians, that they were actually 20% more likely than the world to get divorced. But amongst those who actually practiced their faith, they confessed Christianity and they practiced their faith, they were 35% less likely than the world to be divorced. Why? Because something happens when you're in fellowship. Something happens when you come and you hear God's word. Something happens when you surround yourself with believers and you're encouraged to carry on. What happens is your heart is protected from becoming hardened. Jesus said the reason why divorce is so rampant in the culture even during his day is because of your hardness of heart. And your first line of defense to guard your heart from becoming that hard is to do what you're doing today and to be here amongst the believers today and allow God to do his work in your heart today so that that heart does not become hardened. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4, beginning in verse 20. This is Solomon who's sharing here with his son. He says, My son, be attentive to my words. Verse 20, Proverbs chapter 4. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape your sight. Keep them within your heart. Keep my words within your heart. Verse 22, For they are life for those who find them and healing to all of their flesh. Keep your heart or guard your heart, literally, with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you and let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet and then all of your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. So here's the thing, right? You guard your heart because out of your heart flows the springs of life, the springs of goodness. You have to set a border and a hedge around that heart. And here, my biggest worry in, for you and the biggest challenge in my own life is that I guard my heart from my own emotions. Because my emotions are going to lie to me. The fact of the matter is, when we're in the midst of conflict or we're in the midst of a disagreement, we're so blinded by how we feel that we forget to put ourselves in the other person's shoes and to try to understand how they feel. Paul warned the church in Rome. In Romans chapter 12, you can read this later. He said, be careful that you don't take vengeance for yourself because vengeance belongs to the Lord. And here's what happens in our relationships. Someone harms us or someone hurts us and our first response is, I want to make sure that they feel the way that I'm feeling right now. And so you spoke harshly to me, so I'm going to speak harshly to you. You lied to me, so I'm going to lie to you. You betrayed me, so I'm going to betray you. You need to feel what I'm feeling. And Paul says to the church in Rome, you be careful because vengeance belongs to God. That's not yours to do. Right? You have to guard your heart from falling into that trap where, you know what, it's, what's fair is fair. Right? What's fair is fair. You realize the scripture says that love keeps no record of wrongs? We'll look at that verse in a little while. But I'm afraid that some of us are keeping a scorecard. You guard your heart by coming here into fellowship. You guard your heart 
by making sure that you tether your own emotions, that your own emotions don't blind you. Listen to this text in Colossians chapter 3. Actually, I want you to turn there. Colossians chapter 3. And this is an exercise, believe it or not, that I do in my life often. And this exercise I use to check my own heart. And this works in a marriage relationship. This works in a relationship between boss and a, a worker or, you know, a, an employee. This works in any relationship. So I disagree with this person. And I want to run my heart through this filter. So I want you to imagine there's six things that we're going to look at in this filter. I want you to begin. This is a tool I'm giving you. Put this tool in your belt. This is a filter that you can use to check your heart in the midst of a conflict. Are you with me? Look at this, Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. This is the first thing. Put on a compassionate heart. The word compassion, it means sensitivity. It means concern. It means tenderness. Again, first thing you do to put on, it means to clothe yourself, to endure yourself with. You clothe yourself first and foremost with a sensitive heart towards the other person. Okay, so in the midst of a conflict, sometimes I need to say pause, I need to say time out, I need to say, okay, am I more consumed in this moment with how I'm feeling or how they're feeling? Am I being sensitive to where they're at? So put on a compassionate heart, that's number one. Second thing, look at, that you put on kindness. That means that you're gracious, there's a graciousness there, that there's a benevolence there, that you only want the best for the person that you're in this conflict with. And sometimes we need to check ourselves, don't we? In the midst of a, of a disagreement, it's sometimes in those moments you don't want the best for the person that you're arguing with. And you shouldn't engage in that conflict until your heart is right. Am I being sensitive to them? Do I only want the best for them? Look at the third thing here, humility. Humility is the ability to put someone else's needs above your own. It's to think of yourself second and to think of them first. Okay, so again, this is a filter I'm going to run through. Am I being compassionate? Right? Am I being kind? Am I being humble? Right? Look at the fourth thing. So put on this compassionate heart, this kindness, this humility, meekness. The word meek could be translated gentle. It's power that is under constraint. It means that you know you have the ability in that moment to injure the person that is staring you in the eye, but you choose not to. To be gentle in that way. We need more gentleness, don't we? I pray for gentleness every day because in my own personality, I know that I don't, I'm not a gentle person by nature. I need God's spirit to help me be gentle, right? I want to be compassionate. I want to be kind. I want to be humble. I want to be gentle, right, or meek. Look at the next one. The next one is patience. Honest here, honest show of hands, how many of you struggle with patience? The yeah, if, be careful if you pray for patience because God is going to bring someone into your life that's going to try your patience, right? But the word patience really means to be able to stand in the midst of a frustrating situation and not react. That's literally what the translation would be. To be able to be in the midst of a frustrating situation and not react. Okay, to be patient. And then read on with me. There's a few things here. Bearing with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive. We'll come back to that in a second. Verse 14. And above all these things, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. There's that verse we saw earlier. 
right? So there's my filter. Am I being compassionate? Am I being kind? Am I being humble? Am I being meek? Right? Am I really putting on love? Am I being patient with those people? And if I'm not, if I'm failing in any one of those things, it doesn't matter what's happening in that conflict or in that disagreement. Why? Because I'm wrong in that moment. And I can be all of those things, but if I'm not loving, I'm wrong and I need to go get right with the Lord first. Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. Christ Community Church has campuses in El Centro, Calexico, and Brawley with services in English and in Spanish. Your kids are going to love our kids' church. Plus, we have a lively youth ministry and young adults group. You're welcome to call the church office at 760-337-9400 with your questions. Or leave us a message on the Christ Community Church IV mobile app, the cccivy.org website, or direct message us on social media. We are really looking forward to meeting you. So again, the website is www.cccivy.org or call 760-337-9400 so we can plan your visit.